Welcome to the Deep Light Podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. This is a space for community, healing, hope, and education around topics of rescue and growth. Our prayer for this series is that it illuminates a deeper understanding of struggles within and around us, as well as God's profound love and redemptive light in Jesus Christ. Hi, everyone. I want to welcome you to another episode of Deep Light. Uh, this is a ministry of Park City East Presbyterian Church, where I serve as one of the pastors. My name is Mark Davis, and we want to welcome you. Um, we are recording this in January of 2023. Um, it's going to air in the spring under a topic we're going to call Spring Grief. And over the next several episodes, I'm going to be talking to friends and members of our church and community who have experienced grief in one form or another, and just how is it that they are moving through it? Um, how is it that they're experiencing uh, honesty with the pain they're going through? And no matter how long it's been since they've had a, a bitter providence in their life, um, what can we learn from them? How can we encourage them? Um, where do they find hope? Those are the kinds of things that we're going to be talking about. So we're grateful that you joined us. As always, you can reach out to us at deeplightpcpc.org. Or you can call us at 214-224-2500 and uh, let us know how we can walk alongside you. There are also show notes um, that you can follow as well if there's resources that are mentioned here. Today, I'm very grateful to have Sam Joyner joining uh, us today. And Sam and I have known each other since 2003, I think something like that, when right. our both of our oldest daughters, Jacqueline and Kara, were um, attending Providence Christian School of Texas in class one. And we were doing things like Indian princes and things like that together, which were a lot of fun. So, Sam, thank you for taking time to Absolutely. join us today. And as we get started, just tell us a little bit about you today. You know, what, what are you doing now? Tell us about your work a little bit. Um, and then we'll move into kind of the story of your wife, Cheryl, and, and um, her battle with cancer and death and all those things. Well, I say the details of my life are inconsequential. <laughs> um, I am a father of two adult children now. My daughter is 26. My son is 24. My daughter is living and working in Austin, mm -hmm. Texas, um, and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then my youngest is uh, finishing up at SMU, and um, I'm hoping that is sooner rather than later. <laughs> uh, I practice law here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, this has been my home since 2002. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a member here at Park City's Presbyterian Church. And you always sit <laughs> in the right side of the balcony, to, to my right from the pulpit. And, yes. And I honestly, I love, I love watching you worship, even though it's a great distance from where I am just the intimacy and emotion that you pour out to the Lord ministers to me greatly. I've told you that before. Yeah, you have. Well, when we started attending Providence, I couldn't, or PCPC, I couldn't even spell Presbyterian. <laughs> and so we got a uh, list of churches when we moved to Dallas, mm -hmm. uh, when our children were attending Providence, mm -hmm. along with your children, and um, PCPC was on the list. And yeah. so uh, that was where my family first sat. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? I didn't know that. in the top balcony, uh -huh. um, left-hand back yep. uh, pew, and um, I have not left. left. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's funny. Well, people do that. They find their yeah. grooves and they stick to it, so. Yeah, but God is incredibly big 
up there. So mm -hmm. I have no plans on uh, leaving uh, that portion of the sanctuary, but he mm -hmm. reigns big all out yeah. our sanctuary, but yeah, that's a sweet spot. Yeah. So. Well, as I mentioned at the beginning in the introduction, this series uh, of Deep Light's gonna focus on grief. And the very first um, podcast we did um, when Deep Light was born was a few years ago, it was really the summer of 2020 when COVID had hit. And I started just interviewing people. Right. And Nancy Guthrie, who has written great books from her own personal experience and her deep understanding of the word of God on grief. And we talked, we did two episodes, which you can find that you know, on our website now, even it's very, very powerful. I'm sure we'll probably include that under the umbrella of spring grief. Right. But I started thinking about people I know in our church um, who I think have walked through really difficult things in a way that was honest and is honest um, by not denying the pain that was born and stays, but also demonstrating profound hope and faith in the midst of that in a way. And I think uh, I, I watched you do that close at the beginning and I've watched you continue to walk that journey of just loving your Lord in the midst of it all. So that's what I'm talking about. And um, as I tell people all the time, we don't have a script on Deep Light. It's a conversation we know we're going to have, right. but there's no script. So let's go back. Um, Cheryl passed away in 2011. Uh, it, was it, it was January 11th. January 11th, 2014. 2014. Yeah, yeah, so not, nine years ago. Nine years ago. Yeah, just last week was the anniversary. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah, and that was 77 days after being diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, so let's let's talk through that as much as you want to share. Absolutely. You, she gets a diagnosis. So just let's start there. Like what what happened to the two of you as you move through that? And we we have tissues. Yeah. We're ready, and that's going to be a part of it, right? Dude, absolutely. Oh, just um, uh, October twenty fifth, twenty thirteen. Um, my daughter or my wife went in to um, get a colonoscopy. She had some bleeding. Mm -hmm. We went in and um, visited with Dr. Kaki Little, who's a member of our church. Mm -hmm. um, Wonderful doctor. Unbelievable, unbelievable how God arranged that in mm -hmm. and of itself. Um, but after going through the procedure, um, Kaki, called me back in to uh, where um, Cheryl was in her office and just sh shared the news and just said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. Mm -hmm. And I'm not an oncologist, but you have cancer. Mm -hmm. That started the journey for us. Mm -hmm. And that was Friday morning. Um, you remember the details? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just so and clear. I was scheduled actually for a trial in December and I left Kaki's uh, office and had to drive to work to submit my pretrial exhibits. And I just remember mm. driving down um, Central just, well, I was actually, we'd, I took Cheryl home and I was coming down the tollway just cussing God like there was no tomorrow. Mm. Um, the next morning, we decided to um, have a meeting at the mound. This is what 
I called it and brought my two children in with Cheryl and we said and to how, them. Remind me how old they would have been at the time. Yeah, so Just my daughter teens. would have been a, a junior in high school, so mm -hmm. she was 17. Yeah. And my son was a freshman, he was 15. Yeah. And so I told them the news and I said, God can heal mom. God can heal mom through the doctors and the medicine or God's gonna give us grace to carry us if he takes mom home. Mm -hmm. Pray for one and two mm -hmm. because those are the only three options that we had at that time. And so we did two rounds of chemo at Baylor and after the second round in December, it was the Monday before Christmas 2013, I brought Cheryl home so that um, you know, she could pass in her own bed and her own sheets on her own pillow mm -hmm. with uh, the children coming and going to school and, and being at home and um, not at the hospital or at a hospice house. So mm -hmm. those were the toughest, I think, 77 days of my life. Um, and I put it as the toughest patrol I've ever walked as a former um, airborne infantry ranger. Um, the, the, that was that was tough. Yeah, a lot tougher. Yeah, like I said, the toughest patrol I've ever walked. Mm. Um, and um, God was incredibly faithful. So let's talk about how you knew I'm not sure if everybody heard what you said, but you're driving down the toll road and you said you were cursing God. And I think some people are like, I can't believe that. You're a Christian, why would you do that? Oh. Let's talk about that, you know? Um, yeah. Did you feel when you did that or after you did that shame, did you feel like his rebuke or did you just feel like this is how raw I am and I can't believe this is now part of our story? I... I didn't um, feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. I felt um, just so much anger. Mm -hmm. And and that largely stems uh, from where my wife and I had come, mm -hmm. both from broken homes. Mm -hmm. So we had broken, thank you. Mm -hmm. We had broken the cycle of divorce um, and God was uh, just leading our family. Yeah, beautifully. I mean, you, were, you both yeah. just had such radiance, the radiance of Christ shining yeah. out of your lives and the way you're pouring into your kids. Yeah, so that to me was just um, the shock mm -hmm. of just what um, I was told, mm -hmm. and just the anger that arose up in me, and going, God, what are you doing? What are you, you know, what are you thinking? Why? What? How are you going to be glorified? Mm -hmm. Do this? I mean, this makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And I screamed as loud as I could, mm -hmm. um, and every. Cost word, I think I could 
think of came out of my mouth. Yeah. And looking back now, um, you know, God, in that moment, I feel just embraced me. Mm -hmm. As if uh, he understood. Because yeah. he has. Right. I didn't want to miss that. Yeah. Because I think, I think sometimes as Christians, we, we aren't very honest with what we're feeling. And when something that's a product of being in a sinful, broken world like cancer. Right. You know, it's not your fault or Cheryl's fault that she got cancer, right. it, but it's part of the fall. Right. When we experience that and the devastation that comes, or in this case, you, you, you weren't sure if she would be healed the side of heaven, right. but it was a sudden departure right. from what you could have ever imagined your life being because she was how old 40 41 when she passed yeah 41 oh, that's yeah so young so you were real and you were honest and that wasn't premeditated it's just what was in you and yeah. it was coming out yeah. and you're crying out to the lord and i think that's really important because a lot of people won't do that they don't think they can be honest with the right. lord and he really can handle it you know he's not unable right to rebuke that if it needs to be rebuked or to correct. But more than anything, he's, he's receiving us in the condition we're in in order to show the mercy that he knows we need. Yeah, I, and I, I, looking back, just that's exactly as, as I felt God just wrap his arms around me in the midst of that moment yeah. while I screamed. Yeah. I think about the Psalms, you know, how the Psalms, Absolutely. they, they yeah. really reveal every emotion that's known to man, including questions, right. you know, why? How are you gonna glorify yourself in this? Why would you allow this to happen? You know, all the kinds of questions that would come, which I think is one of the most beautiful aspects right. of Christianity. Um, I think of his, his own son, our savior, you know, right. in the garden, you know, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will be done, be yours. Your will be done. Yeah. Um, so thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, let's keep walking through that then. You have, she, you bring her home just before Christmas. Right. And I remember, I remember visiting you guys and, you know, I know she Absolutely. loved hymns, you know, yeah. and singing hymns, meditating on hymns, hearing hymns. And I just remember when I, I left your, your home, just how much faith and trust that you both had in the living God, that he was with you, he was leading you, he was not gonna forsake you. Um, yeah, at the same time, lots of tears, you know. Absolutely, yeah, at that point, I knew after the second round of chemo that the cancer was so far ahead that there was no way that the chemo could catch up. Right. And I knew that God was taking Cheryl um, away, and this was a gift. Mm -hmm that, um, you know, I know God gave me. And that was um, 
tough mm-hmm. recognizing that the gift that God gave me, my bride of over 18 years, mm-hmm. was being taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember you coming and bringing me a hymn book mm-hmm. and that hymnal from our church. I mean, I would sing and read the hymns over Cheryl just when I wasn't praying or reading scripture over mm-hmm. her and just the comfort that that provided her and myself through that. It was an amazing um, experience and just as God drew us closer to himself um, and certainly um, closer, I think, in my walk than I'd ever been before, um, you know, because God, you know, tapped us effectively on the shoulder and said, well, we're, we're going to go into the valley of shadow of death. And yeah. We're going to camp right in the center of it. Yeah. And, you know, he, he camped. You know, with us there, and that was at the end. And you know, I knew that um, um, we were within days. January fifth, I knew, based on observing Cheryl's condition, that we were within days, and I needed to call in hospice. And so I told my children that morning um, uh, that. That I was going to do that, and they had no idea what hospice was and yeah. what that entailed, and um, and we started that final leg, just of um, her race on this earth yeah. um, was uh, being finished, and that was on the Sunday we called in hospice, and um, I, you know she pushed so hard, mm-hmm. I think, because she didn't think we could survive without her. And mm-hmm. um, we had another come to the mound talk on Friday of that week. So this had been January 10th when the kids got home from school. Mm-hmm. And I just brought them together and I said, we need to give mom permission to die because mm-hmm. she just is really, um, really uh, struggling with this and doesn't want to go. Hanging on. Yeah, really she was just, she yeah. And so amazing devotional with the kids and just as they um, just love on their mom. So the four of you together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In uh, our bedroom and just an amazing devotional. Just amazing to hear my children just bless their mom. Yeah. So sweet. What a sacred time. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Mm. Yeah. So that was Friday, and um, I lost Cheryl on January 11th at 7.07 p.m. So the next, yeah. the next evening then. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So there are people watching this, I'm sure, that have experienced or maybe in the experience right now where somebody they love, could be a spouse or a child or a parent, is in hospice, you know, or they're heading towards hospice and they know that. What... What was a source of comfort to you when you had the strong sense that it's the Lord's will to take her? She's not going to be healed this side of heaven. We all know he could do that, but a lot lot of the time that's not his will. He's going to do that in heaven and give us what we need between now and then. But what were some things that really helped you even in those days that were just so full of grief even before the grief that would come when she actually did pass? 
I, I, the hospice we, the workers we had were absolutely amazing. And so often that's true. They just absolutely really are, just, they're called, people that are called to yeah, that ministry. Yeah, I'll never forget um, Kimberly Lindsay. Um, we were getting ready to have a shift changeover and they would stay on with us for 12 hours and a new hospice nurse would come on for the next shift and we were actually getting a new hospice nurse that evening that hadn't been with us during that week and one thing that I had asked um, it was um, Faith Presbyterian Hospice um, was that we had the same nurses throughout the week I didn't want a bunch of people coming in and out of my house just to give comfort to my kids mm -hmm. for one so they knew who we were and mm -hmm. Um, and Kimberly Lindsay was on deck, and and I can just remember at the end, I knew that we were within hours, mm -hmm. and I just said, Kimberly, please just stay with me, mm -hmm. just just stay with me. Don't I, I I can't have another person come in right now. I know I'm going to to lose her, and and up until that point, I had been communicating what my thoughts were to the hospice nurses, and they were incredibly just um, just with me as I was observing what I had seen over the course of that 77 day period and yeah. just her decline. Yeah. And they would never um, say what their thoughts were about when they were, they were, they were weren't gonna make any predictions. Yeah. And my Weimariner <laughs> scout actually came up and I, I told, I told Kimberly, I said, I know we're within hours. My, my dog just Some sensed, sense. yeah, sensed and, and effectively just said her goodbyes mm -hmm. to Cheryl at that uh, moment. And Kimberly said, yes, um, you're correct. I'm staying with you. Oh, um, and it was just huge uh, resource, mm -hmm. um, just, their um, gift that they each had just mm -hmm. to love on uh, my wife and on my children and on myself during that time frame. Mm -hmm. I can't even begin to describe just the resource that they provided my family during that time frame. It was phenomenal. Yeah, which is often the case. As I mentioned right. earlier, you know, you, you hear those stories of, I think people just recall to that particular kind of ministry that cares so well for families and their loved ones in those moments. Right. Um, were there particular um, rhythms to your day or was it really just, I, I had no rhythm because I didn't know what was gonna happen or were there particular scriptures that right. meant a lot to you? Um, absolutely a rhythm. I, during that last week, um, I would walk my dog in the morning and the evening time frame, I would call Cheryl's mom. I would go through just reading scripture, uh, reading those hymns that I described, but it was very much a cadence mm -hmm. um, during that time frame and just really encouraging Cheryl to finish her race mm -hmm. and really just encouraging her to, yeah. to, um, to, to go be with him. Mm -hmm. And it, was that um, cadence that I kind of got into right at the very beginning. And I, 
I unfortunately I lost my dad back in 2007, 30 day or three months after he was diagnosed with um, melanoma cancer. Mm. And so when Cheryl was actually formally diagnosed uh, with cancer from the oncologist, I knew I needed that miracle to happen or something for God to intervene. Yeah. I knew the timing and I knew I had no more than three months barring a miracle. Yeah. Um, so I got into the cadence and just um, pouring God's promises over and over and over. When you got to a place where you realized, barring a miracle, if God doesn't do this, right. you know, she's gonna go be with him. Um, what, what was going on in your heart and mind at that moment when you really kind of, in your own sense, had to say, I have to release that? Like, I think, I think God said no, you know, not to be so right. direct, but I think he's just saying, no, Absolutely. it's not, just like he did to his son. Right. I'm not, this is my will, you know, and it's bitter. Right. I use that phrase, bitter providence. That's, a, that's what that means. It's God's in control, but it's a bitter providence that we have to absorb. And he gives us himself to get through it. Right. But what happened in your heart and mind at that moment? You know, it was um, the preparation for this really went years ahead of this too. And really going back to my uh, last year at West Point, and I had a visiting professor from Auburn University, uh, Dr. Cliff Perry, and I had taken this class on biomedical ethics from him, and he just kind of prepared me, and this is you know, nearly 20 years prior yeah. um, for this particular day and for mm. this particular time. And God's preparation by that was just so um, amazing in that I had that, uh, and I can remember sitting in this course going through these horrific scenarios with end of life scenarios where you, know, you would have to increase level of morphine where the patient would die from the morphine as opposed to the disease they were suffering from. And what did you do in those scenarios? And um, all of this uh, preparation that just um, in my time in the military and unfortunately having to serve as a casualty assistance officer far too many times for my colleagues' yeah. families yeah. Um, after they had been uh, killed yeah. in active duty. So you um, were was, acquainted with grief, a lot I, of grief. Absolutely, and, and here I had that preparation and I was so grateful because God prepared me for that. Mm. Did you um, know that at the moment? Or was it something looking back, I'm like, wow, he really did something I hadn't. It, it clicked around January 5th uh -huh. when I called in hospice too that it really was his preparation because when the hospice first come in, they normally don't stay with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They come in, they provide uh, the service, and then they provide you the medications to, to give comfort to uh, your loved ones, mm -hmm. and then they leave. And, and um, for me, I had been observing Cheryl's decline. Mm -hmm. I knew she was losing her ability to swallow. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to move from physical pills to liquid medicine, right. and that's what the hospice provided me. And so when the hospice came, I just said, I'm not your typical spouse of uh, someone who's dying from cancer. And I said, I've, you know, been trained really for this 
this very day. Mm -hmm. And um, former combat lifesaver, all this different stuff that God just put me through that just all came together at the very end. And I can remember her colorectal surgeon on the Friday, and that was before, so that would have been January 3rd, calling and saying, hey, you need to bring in Cheryl on Monday. We want um, to, to see her. And I said, no, sir, I can't. Mm. And, 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 he, and he said, well, why not? And I said, well, I'll kill her transporting her to the hospital. Mm-hmm. She was that frail. Yeah, and I said, and on the slim chance I didn't kill her transporting to the hospital, she can't survive another 48 hours of a chemo treatment. Mm-hmm. That that will kill her. Mm-hmm. And on the sim, slim, slim chance she survived the, the 48 hour treatments that she was on, at best, I had another 30 days mm-hmm. to brush her hair, brush her teeth, wipe her bottom mm-hmm. while my kids watched yeah. their mom pass. And I said, my wife deserves to die with dignity and grace mm-hmm. in her own bed, mm-hmm. in her own sheets, on her own pillow. Yeah. And so when that was the Friday, I called in hospice and I t- talked um, with them, the leader of the team that had come in to assist me, and I explained to them what my training was and where we had been. And you know, I had said she's probably not going to make it past Wednesday, Thursday at the latest. Mm-hmm. And I think they um, they saw, you know, I was a little different probably mm-hmm. than what you know uh, they had experienced in the past. And you know, they said well, we're going to bring in some a bed and some different things that they normally do and um, I said I'm not moving her out of her bed and mm-hmm. and, um, and that was something that I was able to do yeah. um, which was amazing that God allowed that to happen mm-hmm. and um, um, but it all just kind of came together and God just um, had prepared me for that very mm-hmm. point in time mm-hmm. uh, with my children and um, you know, I had asked my kids if they wanted to be present when their mom died uh, so that I could have them out of school if they wanted to be there for mm-hmm. that or after she passed. And when they both decided that they did not want to be, then I had just kind of put in a plan and God had prepared me just for the cadence that I had been on mm-hmm. and just pouring over the scripture and um, just the hymns and then pleading with anyone that I could text that, Pray yeah. just for Cheryl, and I had everyone at our church, yeah. uh, which really meant thousands uh, of people praying because you are so well loved and strengthening uh, my heart mm-hmm. um, and joining with me too as Cheryl was finishing her race, mm-hmm. and um, so all of that came together at the very end, just uh, as only God could have ordained it mm-hmm. uh, to be, and um, it was um, it was remarkable in so many ways and just, um, you know, I was pressed in to Cheryl's face. So it's a sacred moment, you know, and as beautiful as seeing my children born. Yeah. That's a powerful statement, you know, because a lot of people don't experience that in their life. And right. um, as a pastor, I've been in those situations in those rooms, whether it's in a Right. you know, hospice situation or they're in the hospital or whatever it might be. And um, there is something really remarkable about seeing one who is in Christ Jesus um, breathe their last breath and their very next breath is 
in his yeah. presence, right? It's really a remarkable thought. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And that's why the, the hymns that we sing, you know, suddenly take on such profound meaning because of what that means in Christ alone, you know, as we sing right. that, and, or the power of the cross or any of the old classics. But your dear beloved bride, you know, Cheryl, um, beloved daughter of the living king, moves into his presence and you're a dad with, you know, a junior daughter in the middle of her junior year and a freshman son in the middle of his freshman year. And so you're grieving, they're right. grieving. Cheryl's, were both her parents alive still? Um, or, yes, at the yeah. time they were. Yeah. She's since lost her father. Yeah, okay, so you're caring for them too. I mean, it's, it, there's just so many burdens. And then sometimes people aren't aware of just how challenging the next phase is of, you know, okay, how are we gonna do the memorial service and right. burial and there's so many details right. that come. What what helped get you through that? You're obviously you're obviously very gifted. You had incredible experiences. But you're also honest about your emotions, okay. which I've always loved, and I've shared that even today. What got you through, and what kind of encouragement would you give people right in that moment when there's so many details to cover and you know, so many people want to help, but that can even become unhelpful, right? Because right. it can be overwhelming. What are some thoughts you have there? Well, for us, this church, um, I cannot even describe the hands and the feet mm -hmm. that God put in motion mm -hmm. from October 27th when Bill Lambreth, Julian Russell, several deacons came mm -hmm. and prayed, laid hands on Cheryl. Mm -hmm. um, to you're right at the beginning of that as well, just days after that as well, coming up for a couple of days, just right after that. That was on a Sunday after church. Mm -hmm. um, and just the church wrapped their arms, I mean, gripped hands with us. Mm -hmm. It's a great picture. Strengthened our hearts. Um, meals, I mean, manna was falling mm -hmm. like three times a day. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was amazing. I remember I had put a cooler on the front stoop and I actually just said, hey, we, we can't eat all this food. And yeah. I, I'm like, we gotta just shut it down. Yeah, so much and, was coming. Yeah, so much was coming and just from our church family and we have no family here in Dallas, our families they're out of state and our church family just enveloped us. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 from feeding my kids while I was at the cancer hospital mm -hmm. um, to just the prayers. I mean, we had people, prayer groups coming, praying outside our home. Mm -hmm. um, just, just the remarkable outpouring mm -hmm. of love and support that we got from our church family was, uh, you know, indescribable. Mm -hmm. um, so that really was uh, God's provision mm -hmm. for us through the body of Christ. Yeah, that fellowship really is, ah. along with the word, of course, and right. prayer, just that means of grace, that constant sense of we're not alone. Right. You know, we're holding you up, uh, just as you have been used to hold up so many others. Right. Yeah, it's really powerful. And I could not have done it, mm -hmm. I could not have made it. Yeah. And 
you know, the power that I was walking in at that particular point in time did not belong to me. Yeah. And that might sound like mysterious to people yeah. listening to this, but it's yeah. for those who are in Christ, who've gone through that, that's what we're talking about. It's the, it's the living presence of the living God right. in us giving us everything we need. And sometimes we don't even know what we need, right. you know, yet he's meeting that need right. in so many profound ways. Right. And that's what I described, just scratching the surface, yeah. just looking back after the fact of God's preparation yeah. for me and my family and leading my family through yeah. that time frame of just God's goodness and his love and his faithfulness yeah. in the midst of a situation where every bone in my body was crushed. Mm -hmm. I just, that, you know, it's the, the beauty and the pain all just intertwined. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great picture and a great description of what it is. You know, it's, it's both those things. Right. And we need to be honest about both those things right. as opposed to just, just one side, you know, that right. it's all going to be okay. You know, ultimately, yes, but boy, this hurts. Right. This is really hard. Right. And so I think that, you know, um, getting through just that time, and I think I slept for two weeks straight after the so Memorial Day. I was exhausted yeah. physically, just exhausted and then transitioning. And I can remember I called the ladies at the church. And I told them, I said, we need to turn the meals off. And they're like, what? Yeah, turn the meals off? It's like, you, you sure we're? And I was like, yeah. I said, I need to learn to walk with my prosthetic legs, right? I felt like I had been, yeah. had my legs um, amputated. Yeah. But I needed to learn how to walk. Yeah. And um, I can remember that call and just saying, are you sure you want, you know? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, need I need to learn to do this. And that was something that, you know, Cheryl did for our family and did it very well. And, um, uh, but you know, then I transitioned to that next phase. And I know I can remember my daughter effectively coming to me and saying, hey dad, I need to quit school and come work on the farm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, your, your job is, uh, to be Samuel's big sister, mm -hmm. and you're my daughter, your role hasn't changed. Yeah. You will not replace mom. Mm -hmm. um, and I picked up those roles mm -hmm. that Cheryl had because, you know, that wasn't something that I wanted, you know, my kids initially to maintain the status quo, and that's right. initially. Uh, and then, of course, my, my uh, children were able to help tremendously, obviously, mm -hmm. at their ages at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So there was plenty of chores that they did around the house. Right. But, but you know, that was something, cooking meals to me was something I didn't want my children to feel like, oh, well, we have to do that, or that Jackie had a role that yeah. was a role that mom had. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and we just started making that transition. But the, um, after the passing and going in and just hitting that, and you described it well to me, of just um, what that next phase was gonna be, and I was so grateful for, which in my kind of opinion can be a very um, difficult part of the journey, mm -hmm. because there were so many that rushed 
and to help mm -hmm. and that were there. I had complete strangers in our community mm -hmm. um, asking if I needed my house cleaned or yeah. whatever the task was. Mm -hmm. There was 10 people deep from our church asking um, and making themselves available to do it. Yeah. And you finish that period after memorial service where um, it can be uh, lonely, mm -hmm. quiet, quiet. Mm -hmm. that rush, and especially after I turn the meals off. Yeah, my because life goes on, right? And um, that was uh, a new leg of the journey mm -hmm. that um, had to be discovered. And um, you know, and, and God, you know, continued to show Himself big mm -hmm. and show out during that time frame. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely, on the backside, was much different uh, for our family. Yeah. Um, and certainly my children grieved differently than each other. Yeah, because everybody grieves differently. Right. and that's... They were grieving differently than me. I was grieving for a spouse. They were grieving as losing their mom. They were grieving differently as siblings. Yeah, and, and different personalities absolutely. and experiences. You know? And I think right. that's often what creates conflict when there's a pretty significant grief is right. we kind of expect the same thing, like take for example that first year, you know, everybody talks about all these anniversaries that come up. So it's, you know, not long after Cheryl passes away, you've got Valentine's Day now. Right. And then, you know, you, and then her birthday's gonna come and there's gonna be traditions that you did that are very different that first year. And that's, right. it's understandable. But not everybody feels the same way right. about those. They just kind of deal with it in different ways and that can be really painful. Right. And I remember one thing you had told me too that, you know, was absolutely true. And, I was very grateful for after the fact. And you said, some people are going to say some things to you. That, no, I, I was just like, you're going to hear some you know, stupid hear, things. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that, and I heard plenty of that from people who uh, meant well yeah. and um, were trying to, to be of assistance to me. And I remember one individual who uh, counseled me to remove Cheryl's clothes from my closet. Mm -hmm. And this was an individual who was um, had not lost a spouse. Yeah. And I can just remember thinking to myself, why would I want to walk into a half empty closet? Mm -hmm. This you know, makes no sense to me. Yeah. And, um, and I can remember Jackie going off to college and coming home at one point on a break and just asking me, hey, can I help you with mom's clothes? Mm -hmm. And it was God's timing. Yeah. And I was like, that'd be great. Yeah. And it was, several years after I'd lost Cheryl. Yeah. Um, I drove her uh, Suburban because it gave me comfort. Being in her car. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was funny, my, any knew Cheryl well. Uh, there, there was two things that she would do that really upset me. Oh, you know, one was if she really wanted to get under my skin, she'd use my toothbrush. <laughs> and uh, the other would, she'd sleep on my side of the bed. Uh -huh. And she passed on my side of the bed. Mm. That gave me such comfort. Yeah. So right. now, now we're talking about something that sometimes I'll use the phrase sweet grief. Right. It's where the grief is still so immense. But even in the midst of the pain, there's a sweetness to the memory that comes. The loss is still great, right. but it's something like that. I didn't know that, you know, I've never heard that part of your story. Yeah. Um, 
And so every time, right, right. you climb into bed, it's like you remember where yeah, she, she was does. and she was in yeah. that spot. Huh. Yeah, but um, that was, uh, you know, just kisses too from God uh, to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the uh, amazing gifts too that came after that, Tim Keller came to our church early after mm -hmm. show passed and um, that was just another God's provision mm -hmm. of just having the opportunity just to, um, to to hear him. Was that a year later or was that soon uh, after? Because it would have been it, winter grace probably. It was winter grace. So, which and normally happens came, around January, February. Yeah, it was, and I can't remember um, if it was in 2014, you might know best, but he had came, and I think it was 20, well, it was, it might've been the following year. Yeah. You know, I think it was probably the following year. Um, but it was just, once again, it was just that, that just provision from mm -hmm. God just to say, hey, here's, um, I'm walking with you yeah. through this mm -hmm. process. And, you know, grief is, as I describe it, it's, it's, um, I explain to people, it's, it's like a rip current, um, you know, if you get stuck in a rip current, I mean, yeah. it'll pull you out to sea. Yeah. And if you fight and try to swim into the rip current, you will drown. Mm -hmm. And grief for me was recognizing, just yielding yeah, to the process mm -hmm. of grief and that you can't run through grief. Mm -hmm. You can't go under grief. You can't go around it. Mm -hmm. You can't climb over it. Mm -hmm. That God brings you into the valley of shadow of death and he walks you out of the valley of shadow of death. Mm -hmm. There's no food you can eat, no 12 steps you can follow, yeah. no pill that you can swallow that'll make that grief go away. Yeah. And you have to walk with God through that yeah. process. And that is Amazing, mm -hmm. in of itself. Yeah, just, just um, like I said, what that leg of the journey looks like, mm -hmm. and I don't know how anyone goes through that leg without that relationship. Yeah, of a living God mm -hmm. to walk with him mm -hmm. through that mm -hmm. because you have to go through the process. Yeah. There's no other way around it. And that to me is um, after being crushed and feeling just like I was just destroyed mm -hmm. and then having God just walk with me. Mm -hmm. And very rhythmic, slow and steady pace, mm -hmm. that progress. And I, um, I mean, um, recognizing you're so broken, but yet so whole. It's <laughs> a good way of saying it. Yeah, so 
weak, but yeah, you're so strong. Mm -hmm. um, all because of God lavishing you mm. with the power of grace. Mm -hmm. So many times, um, it's, it's understandable because it's so painful, people want to know, how long is this going to take? What can I do? And I love the way you described, there's no way of knowing how long it's going to take. You know, it's, I love the illustration of the riptide. It's like, you just have to surrender and know he has you. He's going to walk you through it. You're going to be with him. And um, maybe a couple more questions. What would you say, looking back, um, surprised you? Like what's something as it relates to the grief that surprised you? It could be something that was harder or something that was just unique or a unique kiss from God, as right. you might say. What's something that surprised you? I think it's the discoveries that the, you know, what I discovered was the gift of grief was the gift of God himself. Mm. to me. The gift of grief was the gift of God himself. So somebody hears that, and clearly that means a lot to you. How would you describe that? Like, what does that mean? Um, and maybe you already have. This whole podcast no, has been I, that, really. I, I think I've described it as God just stretching my soul mm. and then filling it with more of himself. I won't forget that statement, Sam. That's very powerful. I am truly grateful. Just sitting here today. Because of what God has done through that for me. Mm -hmm. Never would have been accomplished mm -hmm. in me but for that journey. Yeah. And I would never wish the 77 day patrol on anyone. Yeah. But I am so grateful that I did not have a choice and God tapped my shoulder and said, we're going yeah. here. Um, I know Cheryl's safe and secure, and I will see her again. Yeah. But what God did for me through that 77 journey, what he's done in the last 90 years, could not have been accomplished, but for that pain and suffering of grief. Yeah. God wastes nothing, not our pain, our suffering, and our grief. None of it's wasted. Mm. None of it's wasted. Yeah. And only He can keep it from being wasted. Amen. Right. You know, sometimes um, I'll get asked an interesting question 
And I always am trying to understand where the person might be coming from as they're asking it. And a man that I have a lot of respect for who um, is just really bright, theologically he's bright in terms of spiritual formation, the spiritual disciplines. And we were on a silent retreat together and he came out after that, some things he had been reflecting on. And he said to me, I have a question. He said, what's the abundant life? What does that mean to you? What do you think it really means? And I, I knew his background, and a lot of people would translate abundant life as the wealth, health gospel, the prosperity gospel. And I know he doesn't lean in that direction. He said, so what do you think the abundant life is? And I said, with Jesus, that's the abundant life. It, it's not the fruit of being with Jesus, it's not the outcome, that's part of it. But when we think abundant life, we think outcome. Right. It's the presence of Christ. And I'm not sure I've ever heard somebody explain it so well as you just did. Yeah. And I really mean that. I just don't think I've ever heard somebody say it. And when you said, you know, the grief, the, what do you call it? The, the gift of, of grief, grief was the gift, gift of God, of God himself. himself. I've not heard many people talk about the gift of grief. And the abundant life is that part, the second part of that is right. the gift of God himself. That's right. the abundant life, which is a means of grace, his presence in the midst of whatever suffering right. we are called to endure. Right. Um, that's really powerful. Well, and you know, he is our reward. Yeah. He is our reward. Yeah. And so um, that's, a discovery mm -hmm. that I'm truly grateful for mm -hmm. that I could not um, have understood at the depth mm -hmm. that I now know it mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. the journey that he had for me. Yeah. And he is. Um, truly the only one who has the desire and the power to give me life. <laughs> we focus on so much that's inconsequential. Yeah. He's our reward. Yeah. That's really powerful. Thank you for giving us time. Thank you for your transparency, you know, I know when we, we didn't call you that many weeks ago to talk about this. Um, but when I was considering and what that means is I pray, Lord, who would you, you know, want me to pursue to have it be a part of this? Um, you just immediately came to my mind. And uh, I just respect you so much in terms of the way you walked through it those 77 days. And then the way you've continued to walk through it with such really zeal for the Lord um, that is so centered on your intimacy with him. Um, so I'm very, very grateful. I know that um, before, uh, I'm, both my mom and dad have passed away and I've lost many friends over the years, but I've never lost a spouse. You know, I, I have no idea what 
that experience is like. Um, I did a lot of funerals um, before my mom and dad died. Right. Um, and I think I did a fine job. I mean, I think I brought glory to God and I brought comfort to people. But when I had lost both my parents, then all of a sudden it was like a totally different experience because you just, you can relate. I've never lost a child and I'll be interviewing people over the next few weeks who have lost a child. And uh, one of our dear sisters who lost a child and then her husband within just a couple year period. And those experiences kind of, they, they create a connection to those who have a common loss, you know. And I know now that when somebody goes through what you've gone through, um, you have such an ability to see and understand immediately what they're thinking and feeling. And though they may grieve differently than you, and they may not be as prepared as you were in different ways, that's also part of the way God brings the body together. And a lot of people who are listening to this, watching this may be in Christ, they may have a relationship with Jesus, they may be in a church. But I wanna encourage you know, anybody that's listening that doesn't know what you and I know, um, who Jesus is, that right. he is our savior, he's the Lord, to really seek to understand the power of what that means. And then secondly, the importance of being in a body, a church that wants to walk alongside us and encourage us in all the ways that we need so desperately. Right. Because that was prepared for you Absolutely. long before you would have ever known. And I love the way you look back to your time at West Point and could connect the dots. I love the fact that you know God was the one connecting those for you, and he's still doing it, Amen. you know? Yeah, I know it's, you know, this, I think, um, you know, God tests our faith to prove to us that our faith is real and to prove to others that don't believe in him that our faith is real. Yeah. This certainly has been um, every bit of that for me. Yeah. Uh, it has also given me what I describe as an understanding heart yeah. so that I'm able to um, meet those that are suffering mm -hmm. from their loss and their grief with compassion in ways that I was incapable of doing before. before. Yeah. And that um, is uh, something I'm incredibly grateful for yeah. as well. And it so just um, wasn't that I didn't try or that I didn't care, but it just enables me to approach someone's pain and suffering more skillfully. Yeah, and even the way we pray for them. Right. Right. Yeah. I told Christina, my wife, that you and I were going to have this conversation, and she's like, oh, tell them hi. <laughs> and then she said, you know, Mark, I remember meeting Cheryl because we didn't move here much longer right. after you guys, right. y'all were new just before we were new. And she said, do you remember what I said about Cheryl the first time um, we met? I said, I don't remember that. She goes, and me, I said, I think she might be the most gentle woman I've ever met. And she loves Christ so much, you can just tell. Right. And that's, you know, that's what I mean, the, the radiance that you both possess was just so in her, but I remember, you know, when Christina told me, I was like, I do remember that because you guys had the kids playing or swimming right. somewhere, yeah. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But anyway, and, mm -hmm. and she's like, she's so gentle, calm, 
and that's not typical of the community that we live in. You know, there's right. a lot of anxiety, of course, but yeah. anyway, wow. it's sweet to remember her and to live this a little bit again today with you yeah. and to think about it. It's painful, I know. Absolutely. There's been a lot of tears, but well, the, it's, it's, go ahead. Well, I was, you know, at first, it, you know, heard like all the cuss words. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the pain is different now. Yeah. Um, um, life is different. than what I envisioned, what Cheryl envisioned. Right. But God is good. Yeah. So good. Amen. Thank you, brother. I'm really grateful for this time, and it's been very tender, as you know, and um, I really want to encourage you if you're going through grief or, or you fear going through grief, you know, or you just feel like... You're in isolation. You need somebody to talk to about how you're processing things. Don't hesitate to reach out. Um, there may be a church in your community. You could be watching this or listening to this from anywhere in the world. Um, I promise you there's, there's people around you that know Jesus that could tell you about him. If you're in Dallas and don't have a church, come and see us. Um, go to the, what service are you at? 11 o'clock usually or 9.30? 11, right? Yep. Yeah, upper left balcony. You'll see this man. You'll see him singing to the Lord who he loves so much and lots of others. We want to walk alongside you. Again, you can email us at deeplight at pcpc.org or you can call 214-224-2500. Uh, there are lots of women and men on our staff as well as in our body who would love to walk alongside you, whatever burden that you're dealing with. Um, we seek to be real. Uh, the world that we live in is a broken world and the pain that we've described you've heard described today is very real we don't deny that but at the end you heard what he said god is good and god does good that doesn't mean bad things are good but the one and really the only one who could sustain you through that is the lord and savior jesus christ we hold him out to you and would long to see you trust in him god bless you thanks for watching thank you again brother Thank you for listening to the Deep Light Podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. We would love for you to be our guest this Sunday morning as we gather together for worship at 8, 9.30, or 11 a.m. We are located in the Uptown Dallas area at the corner of Oaklawn Avenue and Wycliffe Avenue. To find out more, please visit pcpc.org.